Hola mi gente. The moment you've been waiting for is finally here. My brand new book, Financially Lit, is officially out. And I can't wait for you to get your copy. Inside this book, I'm bringing you culturally relevant and relatable personal finance advice that will allow you to finally feel seen, heard, and understood. Whether it's the guilt you feel from being the first person to make it while members of your family are still struggling, or the way that financial trauma manifests itself in negative and limiting beliefs around money, Financially Lit is here to guide you through it all. Just a few years ago, it was almost impossible to find personal finance books written for first-generation wealth-building Latinas. We have been forced to navigate the complicated world of money with a bunch of money books written by old white dudes who don't understand what it's like for us first-gen kids. But that stops right here, right now. Inside Financially Lit, you will learn how to set boundaries with your familia, with your dinero, create and pass on generational wealth, diversify and increase your income, protect yourself from financial abuse, navigate the complicated relationship between amor and dinero, invest like a white dude or better, and so much more. You can get your hard copy and audiobook version of Financially Lit at financiallylitbook.com and make sure to join our email list so you can find out when I'm stopping in a city near you for the Financially Lit book tour. See you soon. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. So the general rule, for example, for a business owner is you need to be in business for at least two years. Because why? Statistically, most businesses are going to fail within two years. So if you survive two years, now on a conventional financing sphere, the lender is willing to go back and say, okay, let's look at what you did in the last two years. What happens in that first year? You're going to tank everything in your business economically, right? You're going to take every write-off possible you're going to take. So for most business owners, that first year looks not so good. I don't want to say by design, but it just happens to be a very expensive year. It's a year that you're launching and it's a year that you're going to have a lot of expenses to write off. It's about planning. Where the timing that you're taking those deductions and really projecting where you are going to want to be in the future. You're listening to Yo Quiero Dinero, a personal finance podcast for the modern Latina. I'm your host, Janice Torres, award-winning Latina personal finance expert. I didn't always have my financial shit together, but when I started looking for POC-friendly personal finance podcasts, I couldn't find any. And so Yo Quiero Dinero was born. On this show, I'll show you how to make dinero, how to keep your dinero, and most importantly, how to make it grow. Each week, I'm connecting you with the most brilliant minds in the world of money and business, so you can learn about investing, entrepreneurship, and building wealth. The best part? I'm dishing up all this knowledge with a sassy side of sazón. So if you're ready to be poderosa with your dinero, you've come to the right place. Let's dive in. Before we hop into today's conversation, I want to remind you to follow us on social. If you're loving this podcast and you want more community, you want to find out more about our events and all the stuff that we have going on behind the scenes, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, and everywhere else you love to hang out on the internet. If you're loving this podcast, please take a moment to leave us a review if you listen to us on Apple. 
It's the easiest way to share our podcast with people that you know and love, and it helps us get discovered by amazing listeners like you. So take a moment, leave us a review, share us with your friends and family, subscribe so that you never miss an episode, and make sure to check out our blog, YoQuieroDineroPodcast.com, where you can sign up for our email list and you'll never miss an episode. Plus, you get exclusive invitations to our live events, special discounts for our digital courses, and as always, our best personal finance tips and advice to help you be poderosa with your dinero. Thanks for listening. Now, let's get into the episode. Jose, welcome to the podcast. I'm super excited to have you here. Thank you. I'm very excited to be here. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's start off with an introduction. Tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. My name is Jose Tejada. I am Vice President of Mortgage Lending in Beverly Hills. I do mortgage lending. I help families and individuals find homes, refinance homes. My background is in wealth management. I spent over a decade advising what we would label the mass affluence segment, so what that means is just a million dollars in investable assets or more. So I spent 11 years working with families in that space, but I grew up in banking in my entire life. I got into banking when I was just 20 years old because Blockbuster wouldn't hire me. I really wanted to work at Blockbuster, but they wouldn't hire me. And out of anger, one day I walked across the street to a bank called uh, Washington Mutual, which depending on how old you are, you may or may not know about it. It used to be a national bank and I started my career in banking there. That led uh, to here now. Uh, you know, also, I think you made a good choice because uh, Blockbuster, <laughs> as we know, is an obsolete business where finances is roaring. So <laughs> they're, they're now just an example. <laughs> they're just an, <laughs> a cautionary tale now. Absolutely. Okay, so let's talk about you and your history growing up. Were you in a family that was in the financial industry, or was this new territory for you? Yeah, no, no, not at all. So I'm from El Salvador. I was born there. I'm the oldest of three. My brother is second and my sister is last. The reason we end up in America is because there was a big war in El Salvador. There was a, a big civil war. And so we end up here via an amnesty program. And so you could have either ended up in Canada, the US or in Australia. So fun fact, the third largest congregation of Salvadorians in the world is in Australia. Wow, I had no idea. Google it. I promise you, it's true. By coincidence, we end up in, in Queens, New York, young parents in their 20s and three kids and a whole nother world. I get into, I grew up in finance really by coincidence, truly with that story that I just told you about Blockbuster, but then I get deep into it after being connected through just the community and the lack of financial understanding from the community. So I sit on a lot of boards and I do a lot of nonprofit around financial literacy with the youth and also with the Hispanic community because of that disparity that you get from the old country to the new country, right? And for me, a little bit different than a lot of my friends or colleagues, I am the immigrant. I was 10 years old when I came here, I'm not the children of immigrants. So what happens is you go through a different dynamic. I don't know if you've ever seen that meme that says like, I was reading contracts at 12, like don't mind, you know, like I practically got a law degree by 16, you know? <laughs> I was that kid, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You're signing checks and, and paying bills and you're like nine years old and you're translating legal documents because that's just kind of the role that you have to play. Yeah, exactly. Porque tú sabes inglés, tú Absolutely. So I'm curious for somebody who has the immigrant background and then you find yourself working in the wealth management industry. Were there ever moments where you were like, what the hell am I doing here? Totally. Tell me about I've that. Heard, I've heard some of your shows talk about imposter syndrome. That's something that has been very present in my life. 
a ton of it coming around. You know, I tell the story that when I was a branch manager and I was a banker and I was a lot of Jose's, right? And then eventually I got to a point in my career where I was in wealth management and dealing with these very complicated entrepreneurs and businesses and people. And so, and I was like, the Jose, like if you said Jose, it was me. And so what happens for me, at least in my story, being here in the West side of LA, Beverly Hills, Century City, Brentwood, Westwood, it was, I didn't have the pedigree that some of my colleagues had. I didn't have the USC's and the Harvard's and the whatever degrees. And it was a long time, but thankfully not, I think overall big picture so long that I just learned that leaning into my story was the strength. So then I started telling people about how I came to the country and and the things that my family has done and my mother has done, the things that we went through growing up. And then what I found was those gals couldn't relate to that background. So then it became more of a shared experience. As opposed to we're competing in the the same, we weren't. It was more like now we're collaborating, right? Mm -hmm. You have this and I have that, let's put it together. And that helped me with my clients a lot. It helped me connect with my clients and the families in terms of just, it wasn't like I was trying to reach for something that I could never reach, really, right? I can't go back in time and go to Harvard. It was more like I got this other type of knowledge, you know, mm-hmm. or experience. Yeah. So tell me about the transition between wealth management and now you working in the lending industry. How did that come about? Yeah. So coming out of Washington Mutual, Washington Mutual is what you would call a savings and loan type of bank. So they save money and they lend money up. Going into the next company after the crash in 2008, I went to a company called MUFG, Mitsubishi Utsumoto Financial Group. And in here in LA, it's Union Bank is what the, the retail version of it is. There, I really learned the complexities of finance, commercial lending, business lending, financial services, etc. So coming into that, I really learned that lending was my thing, my magic, my sauce, right? Had the background on it from Washington Mutual. I've been lending since I was 21 years old. And even though I enjoy and understand financial services and I believe the strength around it, my thing is, is that structure. So I just, in 2019, I just went out and, and dove right into it. And it's been a good run so far. Thank God. Yeah, I love that. Thank you for sharing your background. I think that's really helpful from a context perspective. Now, I wanted to bring you on the show because there's a lot of entrepreneurs that listen to Yo Quiero Dinero. And they have all of the same dreams that a nine to five W2 worker would have. Things around like being able to buy a car or buy a house. But there's a lot of stories. I don't know if it's rumors or if it's actual experience where folks are having harder times getting loans when you have that fluctuating income that comes with entrepreneurship. So first off, is it actually true that it's harder to get like a mortgage, for example, as a business owner than it is as a paycheck W2 worker? Short answer, yes, it is. And here's why. You got to understand the logic behind what the underwriter is trying to figure out. So the way that I explain it is underwriting is looking at the past to predict the future. I had a client, for example, she was very excited. She's like, Jose, I left my corporate job. I just opened my business and I think I'm ready to buy a house. Girlfriend, you're not ready to buy a house. And here's why. You've only been in business for like a month. The underwriter can't look at the past and predict the future. We don't know, right? So the general rule, for example, for a business owner is you need to be in business for at least two years because why? Statistically, most businesses are going to fail within two years. So if you survive two years, now on a conventional financing sphere, the lender is willing to go back and say, okay, let's look at what you did in the last two years, right? So but now let's take that into a practical sense. What happens in that first year? You're going to tank everything in your business economically, right? You're going to take every write-off possible you're going to take. So for most business owners, that first year looks not so good. 
I don't want to say by design, but it just happens to be a very expensive year. It's a year that you're launching and it's a year that you're going to have a lot of expenses to write off. And so we have a friend in common, Shannon, and then we were talking about with her in the sense that it's about planning. Like where are the timing that you're taking those deductions and really projecting where you are going to want to be in the future. So essentially what you should be doing, let's say you want to buy a house in 2023, you should be already showing on paper that you're going to be able to pay for this from either increasing potentially your salary that you're paying yourself from a business perspective or keeping more of your profits versus writing things off so that you have a proof of sustainable cash flow and enough income for you to be able to qualify for a loan. We're nearing our one millionth episode, and we have a very special segment to commemorate this upcoming milestone presented by IKEA and ACAST Creative. Now, you know, I've always stressed on this podcast the importance of building a life around freedom and making the right choices to create the life that I want. And that definitely extends into the place that I call home, which also happens to be where the magic of Yo Quiero Dinero is created, right? As a remote worker, as someone who runs their business from their home, and as a creative person, my environment has a direct impact on my ability to create authentic and joyful content for y'all. And I'm so excited to be redesigning my podcast space in commemoration of this upcoming 1 million podcast download milestone. And I'm actually doing that with the help of IKEA. So I am planning to revamp the video element of my podcast by curating a dedicated space where the podcast will be filmed, and I'm going to be using IKEA's incredible furniture and decor to create the new YQD podcast space. Now, you know, the thing I love about IKEA is that when you shop there, every dollar gives you more. You get more quality, more sustainability, more inspiration, and when you get all of that working together, you can make the most of every day. I am planning on getting a new chair, side table, bookshelf, maybe some lighting and some backdrop elements. And I'm so excited to create the right environment that I need to keep my podcast fresh and exciting and to just show how we've continued to elevate as time has gone on. When it comes to being able to afford your dream home, um, fortunately, sometimes that whole experience can feel inaccessible, right? It's harder for Americans to be able to afford a home. Me as a millennial, I'm almost 40 years old and I don't own a home. And that's why I love that IKEA stands for equal access. IKEA wants to help everybody furnish their space, whether you're a renter or an owner, without having to put your finances and your future in jeopardy. And by being an ally for those of us with tighter budgets or just those of us who don't want to splurge on nonsense when we know that we can get great quality at a great price, IKEA can help you furnish your home beautifully and you can feel really great sense of pride in your home while you still save for tomorrow. IKEA believes that everyone should be able to start building for tomorrow. And if you listen to this podcast, you know exactly why it is that I built this platform in the first place. I want to help you build your confidence when it comes to money. I want to help you build generational wealth. And I want to help you build a legacy that you and your family can continue to enjoy into tomorrow. I can't wait to reveal my podcast video space for y'all. Please stay tuned to the show. And I want to thank you for listening to this segment today brought to you in partnership with Acast Creative and IKEA affordable design, endless possibilities. 
Exactly. And this is where having a, a strong accounting team and a strong lender kind of work together makes a lot of sense because here's the thing, and this is going back to the whole financial literacy part of it. In our community, it's very common that you hear the rich get all the breaks. And the fact is that the rules are the rules. The rules are for whoever knows the rules, right? There's no like special rule book for the wealthy. It's just the rules are, are what they are. But most people, a lot of times people don't even know how to find them or know what they are. So they don't know how to take advantage of them. In what constitutes um, lending, for example, there are deductions you can easily take that don't impact your actual underwriting, your cash flow of your loan. But unless you know that, I'll give you an example. It looks like you're working maybe from home right now. If you're working from home, that's a deduction on your tax return. But guess what? That deduction doesn't impact your loan. We add that back. So that's a clear example where you can take it off a deduction on your tax return, but it doesn't hurt you on your cash flow for your loan. It's incredible how many... Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online store shop phase to the first real life store stage, all the way to the, did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. What I love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash dinero, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash dinero now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash dinero. I texters I see where I know the person's working for my home office, but that doesn't show up on the return. Yeah. I think a lot of these things tend to happen when people try to DIY their financial statements. They try to DIY their taxes. It's a terrible decision, I think, for most of us, but especially if you're an entrepreneur. Would you agree? A hundred percent. I mean, one, having a, an accountant, for example, is the most critical expense you can have in your business because as a business owner, you are setting yourself back years to your comment earlier before about 2023. You're going to set yourself back years if you're not doing proper planning today. Going back to the young lady, she's like, well, what do I do? I go, you find a time machine and go back in time and buy your house before you quit your $150,000 a year job. 
I have no doubt she's going to succeed. It's just that there's got to be a rationale for a lender giving you hundreds of thousands of dollars or sometimes millions of dollars. And it can't be like, I'm really good at what I do, you know? Mm -hmm. Is there any impact on like having a formal business entity versus just being like a sole proprietor from a lending perspective? Oh, that's a great question. Yeah. So first, the way that we underwrite a file does vary depending on the entity. So a sole prop is going to have certain write-offs that an S-corp won't. And an S-corp is going to have certain write-offs that a C-corp won't, for example. In most cases, if you, when you're starting out, and this is you and your accountant question, but in most cases, a Schedule C at a sole proprietorship is perfectly fine. You don't need to be super complicated and go out and get an S-corporation until you need an S-corporation. And your accountant is going to tell you when that time is. It'll depend on the kind of income that you're actually pulling in. But one mistake that I see with entrepreneurs, for example, is that they get very excited and optimistic about what's going to happen with their business. And then they go and they start all these LLCs and escorts, and they, they just die. They don't, they don't do anything. And you still got to file taxes and you still got to pay for them, but they don't, they don't go anywhere. And that's just a clear sign of not having proper planning and advice. Absolutely. I think the recurring theme that I've heard from not just talking to you, but just like entrepreneurs in general, is like, if you don't have a team of people who are going to help you get to your goal, it's going to be so much more difficult. You're going to be flying blind, basically, instead of having a plan in place to anticipate, like, what are those things that you're going to need in order for to make this a reality? Yeah. So one of my favorite sayings is rocket science isn't hard to rocket scientist. And I think that that's how I live my life, run my business. It's like, I don't need to do everything. I just need to figure out who can do it for me. I need to do what I do, right? Absolutely. Okay. So let's talk about the down payment. Is an entrepreneur going to be able to put down the same 5%, 10% that somebody with a paycheck could, or are we going to have to put down more? Yeah, absolutely. That has nothing to do with anything in terms of the rules of the loan program would work. The down payments apply across the board. They don't change depending on what your income source is. What changes the way that the cash flow is reviewed. So that's what really would, would matter in terms of an entrepreneur. All right, cool. And from the credit perspective, does it matter if you want to, let's say, buy real estate in your business name? What should you be thinking about from that perspective? So if you want to buy a real estate in your business name, you can only buy investment property under your business name. You're going to get told by your accountant that you shouldn't do that. <laughs> and so you wouldn't do that in a business that you're operating. You would do that in an LLC, a separate entity that would then hold that real estate. That's the proper way of doing it. Even if you're buying a building that you're operating out of. So what you would normally see in a situation like that is you've come to the point where you're generating so much income that you have to kind of, from a planning perspective, buy your own space you're going to buy that space in a separate entity that's going to rent from your business. And that's kind of the way that, that the proper accounting would go. But you, so you wouldn't, you couldn't buy a personal use residence under your, under an entity name. You can only buy investment property, but if you're buying it in terms of for your personal use, credit score would not matter whether you're a self-employed person or not. It just matters on whether it fits the program or not. Okay. Do you have any advice on how to start building your business credit? Because I feel like there's a lot of crap on social media about how to establish your business credit so you can go and buy like a Mercedes-Benz G-Wagon and then deduct the whole thing off of your taxes and blah, blah, oh blah. Oh my God, so much. Any yeah. advice on like what is actually like a good responsible way to start building business credit? Business credit stems off of personal credit. So first, you need to kind of take care of your own credit. Make sure that you, you, know, you don't have late payments. Make sure that you have enough credit. A lot of the times, people don't have bad credit because they just don't have enough credit. An important thing to note, for example, is that 
most lending programs, and the vast majority of them, are going to require you to have three open trade lines at minimum. That means three credit cards, whatever it is, three people must be lending to you at a time for you to even be considered uh, worthy. And I've come across cases where that's been a challenge. I get it. You're being very conservative, but... At the same time, there needs to be some basis for the lender to determine whether you're credit worthy or not. After a business has been established for, say, like two years, then you can go and start applying for business lines of credits, like your local credit union or bank or business credit cards through like whatever companies. And then that will start building your business credit. You're not going to get anything before two years, generally. Nothing that isn't like a Shark Tank deal. You know what I mean? It's going to be very tough until then. Yeah. So I had an interesting scenario where I was getting qualified to get a mortgage in Puerto Rico. And the lender actually asked me if I had a prenup because I wanted to have the loan in my name only without my husband. Like, when does that apply? Is that like a state by state thing or how does that work? You got it exactly right. It is a state by state thing. So I'm licensed in five states. And so we kind of have to keep that in mind when we're doing different deals. One of the, the issues, for example, I'm in California right now, right? It's a community property state. In fact, we're just dealing with a case before I came on here where we need to figure out how we're going to separate that asset because by nature of state law, that asset that the husband doesn't want the wife to share upon is going to be included unless she signs a document saying, I'm excluding myself from it. And so when you have a community property state, that's where those issues are going to come about. Okay, that's good to know. So then in the event that you don't have a prenup in place, that would separate those assets. So what would that documentation look like? Would it just be like the lender giving? No, it's actually from the title company. It would be from the title company. Tad bit to note, which is just kind of interesting what's happening right now, is that we're getting an overflow of foreign investors buying real estate in the United States right now, at a micro level in Puerto Rico. And the reason why has to do with this idea of title. Most countries in the world don't have title. Like I'm from El Salvador, right? Like mm-hmm. if I have a house there and I leave it for 10 years, I come back, that's not my house. Like, like somebody <laughs> else's house. Like somebody moved in and it's their right. house, right? The idea of title is what creates value in USA real estate. And so that's why it's such an important thing when you're transacting property. And a lot of people take it for granted and you shouldn't. So the way you label things matters. It matters oh so much, especially when you're dealing with a community property state and sometimes relationships don't end up working out. The idea of state planning matters so much. Well, your wills and trust and that whole conversation. I don't know if I answered the question, but... No, yeah, that's really helpful to know. That was something that surprised me when I was in the process of just getting qualified. So I think it's important to understand what the laws are in your state and act but it accordingly. Come from the title company. That was your question. It will come from your title company, not from the lender itself. Got it. Okay. All right. So what are your best tips for entrepreneurs to start setting up their finances in a way that's going to them allow them to access capital quickly? I know you mentioned making sure that you have at least two years of proven income? Is there anything else we should be thinking about from a paperwork perspective? I think that, that like you said, from the beginning, you want to build a team around you. You know, so when I was in wealth management, I advised entrepreneurs for a long time. And then in 2019, when I left and you're actually doing it, it's a whole nother show. You know, Absolutely. <laughs> it's one thing to be like, oh, the book says do this. <laughs> and then it's like, go out and do it. Right. But I knew leaving and going out with the basics work. And the basics are You need to have strong bookkeeping and realization that you don't have to be the one that does everything. I think that if you're going to speed up the curve of success on any business, you got to understand who the team members are going to be. 
And I always tell my clients, and when I do coachings and advice, I say, look, you got to make long-term plans with long-term people. So spend your time interviewing that person and make sure that it's going to be someone that fits your personality and your business. And why? Because that's less hours that you're spending doing that stuff that, by the way, you're probably not very good at anyways. So I think that budgeting for a bookkeeper, budgeting for a good accountant is the best thing you can do in terms of having a, a successful business. And would you say that it's probably also a good idea to get with a lender who understands entrepreneurship, who understands maybe your business model? Because we all know there's tons of different ways to make money online. And I found that my first accountant didn't understand what the hell I was doing from a coaching perspective, like what an online business looks like. Would you argue that that's the same philosophy you should have oh, with a lender? 100% the same. Because there are so many different products and strategies in the world of lending. So right now, we've been talking about the middle-of-the-road conventional financing. But the reality is that there are lenders that are willing to do a deal for a self-employed person after one year of being in business. Some will do it for less based on just income coming into their bank statements. I'll give you a great story. We just worked with a client, which we ended up closing, and he is like a streetcar legend. So people knew who he was. And so there's a company that's a streetcar company. They do wraps and customization. They use his name to attract more business. But he's not an employee of this company. He's getting a bunch of money from them, 1099 money, that's going straight into his personal bank account. So then he wants to buy a house. But what do you do? It's all his money is going into my business. You don't have a business. Not even, you don't even have a business name. So what we did is we did a bank statement loan for him. I mean, he was making like 300 grand a year, like a ton of money. And then so we did a business bank statement. Then we set him up with an accountant. They can interview. If they like each other, they can work together. They're working together, getting his S-Corp set up. We're getting all his things set up so that next year we're going to be able to refinance him into something that's more conventional, going to be priced a little less. But he still accomplished the idea of getting his home. He was getting married. He was going through all these life changes. And that's just what needed to happen today. But now he's in a path where this is going to happen in the future. I think that entrepreneurs have this idea that I'm not a real business for a long time. <laughs> yes, you know that I mean? was me. That was me for five years. Like for a long time, they feel they're not a real business. In terms of like the law, in terms of what you're, how you're operating, like you're a business, right? Like you're Amazon in the garage right now. You could grow. Every single business starts the exact same way with a state registration and Jesus take the wheel, right? Like let's see what happens. <laughs> so the point is they all start the same way. You are a real business. When I tell people, I tell them, look, take the seriousness of operating like a real business. Have mm -hmm. a budget, have a plan, have a business plan. Because you didn't get out to do this to have a hobby. You, right. you got out to do this to be profitable. I have clients that will come and be like, well, I run this business and it loses money every year. I go, you don't have a business. <laughs> you have an expensive hobby. You have an ex yeah, you have an expensive hobby. You haven't made any money. Right. <laughs> That's excellent advice. So Jose, I know people are going to want to find out more about you, potentially work with you. Where can folks find you? Old school way. My email is jose.tejada at rate.com. That's probably the easiest way to find me. On socials, I'm at Tejada Lending on IG and on LinkedIn, Jose Tejada uh, in California with Guaranteed Rate. I love it. Thank you. We're going to make sure to link all of those resources in the episode show notes. Thank you so much for sharing this information and for empowering us to still pursue all the American dream, but understand what it takes to get there in a successful way. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you are ready to take your dinero to the next level, sign up for our free 14-page guide, The Financially Lit Latina, the ultimate blueprint for becoming poderosa with your dinero. This 14-page guide includes our best tips on money mindset, budgeting, debt repayment, career, investing, financial independence, side hustles, and more. And you can get it completely free. So to get your copy of the Financially Lit Latina, just head over to YoQuieroDineroPodcast.com slash start. That's YoQuieroDineroPodcast.com slash start and start transforming your dinero story today. Until next time, stay empowered, stay inspired, and stay poderosa. On the Yo Quiero Dinero podcast and associated entities, all information provided is for general information purposes only and does not constitute accounting, legal, tax, or other professional advice. Listeners should not act upon the content or information found here without first seeking appropriate advice from an accountant, financial planner, lawyer, or other professional. We assume no responsibility for information contained on this podcast and associated entities and disclaim all liability with respect to such information, including but not limited to any liability for errors, inaccuracies, omissions, or misleading or defamatory statements. Usage of this podcast and associated contents constitutes an explicit understanding and acceptance of the terms of this disclaimer.